In today's Mishnahs, we're on the third and fourth Mish from the tenth Parakamasech to Ktubot. And in yesterday's Mishnahs, we're discussing the concept of Ktubot Bidim And if you recall, it's really only expressed if there's a situation where heirs from multiple marriages. And that is that part of the condition of the Ktubah is that, let's say that the wife passes away first and the husband inherits the value of the Ktubah and anything else that was written to the Ktubah as well. If he then passes away, part of the Xer of Ktubah Bidim Dichrin was that her as meaning her children would inherit the value of the ketubah and anything else brought into the marriage aside from the rest of the estate. So before doing the division of the estate, we sort out those ketubah and tindichrin, and then we divide the state, state equally amongst the, all the heirs. Another important point we learned in yesterday, yesterday's Mishnah was that if the entire value of the state is not in excess of the values of it that would be promised as part of ketubah and tindichrin, then that zero does not apply, and the estate is immediately divided equally. What well, the Mishnah says is as follows, Yusham nechasim baro'i. Let's say the father loaned out some money and it hasn't yet been collected. Then he passed away. Then that money is considered ra'oi. It has not yet been collected. What Mitch is trying to address here is what happens if the amount of money that is mukhzak, meaning the amount of the value of the state on hand that is accessible, is not in excess of the value of Ketubah Bedin Dichrin. However, if we include the money yet to be collected, that money that's considered ra'oi, then it would be. What the mission teaches us here is we don't consider that money. And therefore, the Xer of Ketubah would not apply unless the value and the state is divided equally. So that's why Yusham Nechasim Baro'i, if it's Ro'i, it's not considered Kabbalah Muchzak. Rabbi Shimon actually argues differently. He says, that not only do we discount the property that's Ro'i that's not yet collected, we actually discount all movable property. That he says we only apply the Xer of Ketubah if the amount of the land in the state is in excess of the two ketubot, or the money is promised as part of the two ketubot. And we do not include any other movable property as well in that calculation. Let's learn Mishnah Dalet. Mishnah says as follows, Let's say a person was married to three wives, and the ketubot are all dated on the same date, so they've got equal claims. Umet, and then he passes away. So how do we split the ketubot? Mishnah says, Ketubah shel zuma zuma In this particular case, the ketubot are of different value. One is 100, one is 200, one is 300. The Ein Sham in this situation, Ein Sham Elamaneh. And in this case, the whole entire estate is only worth 100. So in that case, since they have, all have equal claims to the first 100, Cholkot Beshaveh, they each would get a third. Hayusham Matayim. If, however, the state entire value was 200, according to this Mishnah, the explanation of this Mishnah, is that since they each least have a hundred, the ketubah is at least a hundred, they each have an equal to claim to the first hundred. When it comes to the second hundred in the estate, then the, the woman of the ketubah of 200 and 300 have equal claim. So what the mission is saying is as follows. If there was 200, shall manen notelet chamishim, that the woman who had a ketubah of 100 would take 50, and shall matayim, when it comes to the women of of 200 and 300, they would get shalosh, shalosh, shel zahav. They would each get the remainder, which would be 75. Now, based on my explanation, I said just prior to explaining the breakdown, this doesn't really make sense. So what the Mishnah is explaining is, in this particular case, the woman of the Ketubah of 200 said to the woman of the Ketubah of 100, that I will not have any legal claim when you're trying to claim your Ketubah. So therefore, in the first 100, the woman who has a Ketubah of 100 can take 50. 
because the woman, the, the ksuba of 200, is, is not having any legal claim in that case. However, when it came to dividing the rest of the estate, the woman of 200 says, look, I didn't gift her my share in the first 100. I simply said I will not have any claim, and therefore the remainder of the estate is divided equally. What happens to Yusham Shaloshmot? What if the entire estate is 300? In that situation, once again, the woman of 100 can take 50. And in this situation, we're saying that the woman of 300 said the same type of stipulation. And she said, Look, I will not have any legal claim in the first 100. When it comes to the woman of 200, she can take 50 from the first 100 and 50 from the second 100. In the second 100, she had her and the Ketubah of 300 have equal claim. Therefore, altogether, she takes 100. And the woman uh, who had the Kudub of 300, well, she will get Shisha Shel Zaha, which is effectively 150. She gets the full claim in the last 100 in the estate, plus the other 50 from the second 100 in the estate. Importantly, the way we've had this breakdown in this Mishnah is that the, say, woman of, has a Kutub of 100, really has a Shibud, has a claim for the first 100. And that's how we've been breaking it up. However, what the Bhatin quotes a Gemara that really, this is really opinion of Rebbe Natan, and it's not really Halacha, meaning that according to Rebbe, Rebbe says he doesn't hold the opinion of Rebbe Natan, and rather they'd simply divide it all equally, the entire estate. Because according to Rebbe, he says each of the women, the entire estate is Meshubad, each of them have a lien on the entire estate. So therefore, if the estate was only 100, each of them get 33. If it was 200, each of them would get 66, or whatever, they're divided equal three ways. And if the whole estate was 300, each of them would get 100. And it says, so to explain this case, it means as follows. Let's say three people joined in a, in a business venture and they each contributed different amounts of money, 100, 200, or 300 into this kiss, into a purse. And then, importantly, if the value of that money changed, so it wasn't equal any longer, the entire sum, it wasn't equal to, say, 600 in total, then what would happen is they would proportionally benefit or loss from that fluctuation. What's interesting, though, if, however, they purchased Sechorah, purchased some uh, merchandise with this money, and then profited or lost as a result, if they didn't, this is interesting, if, according to the Gemara, if they didn't initially stipulate that the fluctuations would be proportional to them, their investments, then what would happen is they would benefit equally from the profit. Those are the Mishnayat today.